What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to another episode of the Finn Sports Football Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony John Deletti. If this is your first time on the podcast, welcome. If it's not your first time, welcome back. And guys, I've been saying that I've tried to get, you know, special guests on the podcast, people from YouTube, Twitter, podcasting world, get people on the podcast that you know, that you love. And today is no exception, guys. I'd like to welcome special guest, smart guy. You've seen him on Twitter. James, how you doing? Thanks for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it, brother. I'm glad to be here. Fins up. Yeah, fins fins up. And so if you don't uh, follow uh, James uh, on Twitter or on social media, which is a huge mistake, James, where can they find you? Yeah, I'm on Twitter, um, at SmartJames1981. And uh, inside my Twitter, I've got my YouTube page link, the Smart Take, um, where I try to go over some all 22, you know, footage, some analytics and things of that nature. Awesome. And then just give people kind of a, an idea of, of what you like to post about, what you like to talk about, and, you know, maybe some stuff if you can give people a sneak peek of what's coming okay. up on your Twitter page. Um, let's see when it comes to data and numbers, I've always told people, I try not to be the eyeball test. I like to, before I make a decision, I like to look at the numbers to see if it, you know, backs that up. So I'm all the time, you know, posting data. I think, you know, not too few weeks ago, I posted everything you could possibly chart about to, uh, I put how he did by per quarter, um, whether he was blitzed or not blitzed, um, by down, um, and all of that kind of stuff. And then, you know, today I just put out rookie snap numbers per team to show, you know, who had the most rookies um, get snaps this year. And then later this week, I try to plan on putting out some rookie snap numbers by position to see how that ranks up across the NFL. Awesome, dude. I'm, I'm excited for it. Uh, you recently just posted, I wanted to, to uh, talk about this before we get into you know, stuff I wanted to cover. You recently just posted about, I don't know, what was it like an hour ago, maybe? And it was, you, you, it was a picture and it was a graph of all the NFL teams, all 32 NFL teams. And it was the, the graph was talking about the amount of snaps that each team had with their rookies throughout the season. And I believe the dolphins not only weren't first, but we weren't first by, I want to say like over 500 snaps. It was some crazy amount but something I, I noticed when I looked at it and, you know, you could talk about it more because obviously you did the research, you spent a lot of time with it. The Dolphins not only had the most amount of snaps by rookies this season, but when you look at the other five closest teams to the Dolphins, I mean, the, the, none of them scratched 500. None of them even got to an eight and eight record, which, which kind of just goes to show you how great of a job Brian Flores and the coaching staff have done with this team to take a team with the most amount of rookie snaps and take them to 10 and six this past year. Yeah, I agree. Um, basically I put together the, the chart. I just, I went to PFF and uh, pulled all rookie snap numbers, just did it by draft year and, and basically had to go team by team and charted it. And the Dolphins had 4,906 rookie snaps. And that's just offense and defense that didn't include special teams. Um, and when you look at the chart, you know, the closest team to them is the Jags with 4,728. But after that, it, it drops off significantly. You're looking at the only other teams that broke 4,000 were the Broncos with 4,201 snaps. 
and the Vikings at four, or excuse me, yeah, the Vikings at 4,061 snaps. So, you know, those are the only two, your four teams that broke 4,000. So it's, it's quite telling, you know, showing of the age. And a lot of people talk about the average age, you know, 28 years old, 29 years old on the Dolphins. I like to try to, you know, set a more concrete number and, and, and try to look at the actual snaps. Right. And, and, and what's crazy is, I mean, you look at, and that's why I constantly tell people about, you know, the, I think people get so focused on always wanting to get all these, how do I say this? They want to get all these big name free agents and stuff like that. And I understand it. But when you actually look at numbers and you, you think to yourself, look, if these guys can progress like normal rookies do, especially in that year one to two jump, not just Tua, because obviously you talk about starts with the quarterback, his year one to two jump. But if these rookies can take that jump from year one to two, having played that many snaps their rookie season, going 10 and six, I mean, the upside for this team, am I wrong for thinking that the upside for this team can be sensational just based off of the talent, which is very limited. We'll get into that in a little bit, but the talent that we had on this team this past year. I mean, I agree to, to a point. Um, the, when, we, when you actually break it down, the offensive snaps, um, the Dolphins are, are not a particularly young team on defense. Um, and I'm diving into that later this week. Um, so when you look at the, primarily the offensive um, side of the ball is where the majority of the Dolphins' rookie, you know, snaps came from. And let's not be, you know, let, let's be honest, the, offense, the, the Dolphins' offense wasn't spectacular this year. Um, so I do think that the future is absolutely bright. If they can get these young, you know, young guys coached up and they can get going in the right direction, then absolutely the sky's the limit. Um, I have a little bit of a, you know, mixed reaction as far as, you know, the offense and, and, and the headed progression, but I think we'll get into that here in a little bit. Yes, we will. So starting off, let's just stay, you know, with, with, the, with not only the rookies, but last year's squad 2020, you know, what were your overall, th- overall thoughts on the 2020 season? You know, obviously starting out one and three, uh, then we go three and three, Tua comes in kind of a move they call a lot of people, including Ryan Fitzpatrick, by surprise. Uh, end the season 10-6, and six, not really on the best note uh, in Buffalo, not, not by any means, you know, with playoff implications on the line. Dolphins lose 56-26. to 26, But taking that, you know, that last game, the, the sour taste it left in our mouth, what are your overall thoughts, the good and the, the, the good, the bad, the positive negatives from that season? Well, I mean, I think obviously the good is 10 wins. I mean, 10 wins is absolutely phenomenal. And I think here in a minute, I'm probably going to come in pretty hot. So I just want to at least set the bar that, I mean, I think that it was a very good season. Get to 10 wins is phenomenal, especially considering what you're working with in the previous year. So um, I think the coaching staff or, or Flores did, you know, an outstanding job getting this team to 10 wins. Um, when you start to look at the numbers, though, um, I don't know how much of it, you know, based on the current path is sustainable. And, and basically what I mean by that is when you look at the 10 wins, the 10 wins, uh, if you break down the overall record, combined record against those 10 wins, those teams had a 55 and 104 record. So the Dolphins were beating the, the cellar dwellers, okay? That's who they beat. They, and these six losses, those teams had a 64 and 32 record. 
So they weren't good against, you know, competitive, you know, highly uh, competitive teams. The Dolphins played five games against teams with winning records, and they went one and four. You know, that's the negative part with me. I, I don't, you know, they got to 10 wins. It's phenomenal. But they weren't actually, you know, beating the Chiefs, the Bills, and things of that nature. I will tell you this. You know, I just, you know, somewhat was negative. The positive thing is, is when you look at those five games that they lost, or the five games against the ranked opponents, it's it's only about a seven-point point differential. You know, so they're a touchdown away. You know, so that's the extremely positive, you know, thing, is even though they were one and four against ranked teams, they were still only about a seven-point point differential. So, you know, that's absolutely phenomenal, and you have to give them credit for that. And then – Sort of how they won those games is sort of, you know, to me is I'm not sure that it's sustainable. Um, when you look at our defense, defense was by, you know, leaps and bounds better than, you know, any unit that the Dolphins fielded. And when you look at it, the Miami Dolphins blitzed more than any other team in the NFL with the exception of one. They finished second in the blitz. However, they finished 10th in sacks. So they're not getting to the quarterback. There is no elite, you know, edge rusher. There is nobody that is just, you know, dominating offensive lines. Um, and then when you look, I mean, they finished first in the NFL in turnovers. That's absolutely phenomenal. However, they got 29 turnovers. Ten were from X. I don't think it's fair. I don't think it's um, – you can expect, you know, for a player to get, you know, double-digit interceptions each year. So I I don't think that you're – I think X sees a – I don't think there's any way he can outdo last season, this coming season. And I don't think it's really fair to expect him to, if that makes sense. No, yeah. No, continue. Um, So, you know, with that being said, I I, I think the the defense did well, but I'm not sure that they can continue, you know, at that current pace based on the fact, you know – we ranked 10th in sacks, but we're blitzing, you know, second most in the NFL. That number's got to come up, you know, with sacks. And the Dolphins could not get pressure on a quarterback unless they were sending, you know, that disguised, you know, or zero blitz. I mean, right, yeah. if the Dolphins brought four, they weren't getting, they weren't getting home. Yeah. And, and I think, I mean, to, to be honest, obviously everyone talks about the offense and it is for good reason because, you know, you talk about the defense, you talk about how we weren't able to, send pressure and and really the key for me moving into year two is while you did have a good and I, t- I say this all the time on the podcast we were 10 and 6 but I think people because we went 10 and 6 forget that we are not a complete team yet I think people think that just because we won a lot of games we're up there with the bills we're up there with the best of the best and what I say all the time is look yes you won 10 you went 10 and 6 you had a lot of you know turnovers but also that was relying on Xavier and Howard number one, to have his best season of his career, let alone stay healthy. Okay, let's not talk about, you know, let's not forget that he has had some injury history uh, in the past with his knees. But really, when you talk about the whole entire team in general, not just the defense, it's about how can we build a more complete roster? Because last year, as you said, it was a lot of relying on can Andrew Van Ginkle block a punt in this game? Can we get the ball at the one yard line so we can get a touchdown where, yeah, we're up by seven points, but 
what did the offense actually do to accomplish that? Or yeah, you had a lot of turnovers, but as you said, 29 turnovers, 10 of them coming from one guy. I mean, when you have 11 guys playing, you know, on defense and one of them contributes to 30% of the turnovers, that's telling you a lot about the rest of your roster. And again, as you, uh, you talked about the positives and the negatives, it's not to say anything bad about the dolphins. That's not saying that we're not a good team, but what I, I like to just remind fans is we're not that team yet. We're not the, the bills or the chiefs. And as much as I don't like the bills, we have to understand like they're a good team. They're a very good team. And until we're able to beat them, you know, a lot of that, a lot of the Dolphins' success is going to be predicated on, can you beat the Bills? Because we get, we went 0-2 last year against the Bills. So I think really just the, my overall thoughts on the 2020 season are, it was great. It was definitely better than I thought we were going to do, but I'm not going to get blinded by the record at 10-6. and 6, And I do believe that the Dolphins do need to still do a lot of work specifically with the offense because you can't, I mean, I believe this in with both positions, offense, defense, you can't rely on one group to every single game, go in and be top five in the NFL. I don't care if you have the best defense, the best offense. If you're relying on one position to be the sole reason why you win games, you're not going to have sustained success. And that's why you see teams, you know, you look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They were a team where I look at them with the Kansas City Chiefs where they really were able to have good defense. They had good offense. They had good run game. And yes, they may not have had the high powered Kansas City Chiefs offense. Yes, Kansas City didn't have any offensive linemen, but you look at that, a more complete team, maybe not as flashy in areas, but a more complete team is what I think the Dolphins need to do heading into year three. I absolutely agree. And, and you know, the last thing I'll, I'll say about the defense is, is, you know, one of the things that I think that we need to improve on is just a fact of, like, we're known for having lockdown corners. We've got, you know, X and we've got Byron. Okay, but the problem is that, you know, when you look at the overall season last year, the Dolphins finished 23rd in pass yards. Huh. I mean, that's, you know, that's got to get better. And then on top of it, I mean, Byron Jones allowed 10.6 yards per target and 17.6 per completion, which are both worst among starting corners, you know, so while I don't think that X can, you know, recreate 10 picks in a season, I do think that Byron Jones, you know, can get better and the overall defense as a whole can get better. It's just like you said, it, it can't be reliant on we're going to send the house and X is going to pick it off. Right. Yeah. And, and that's really what people got, you know, so they, they expected it so much. Cause I mean, when you have a great player, you expect greatness from them all the time, but you also have to take a step back and realize, wait, there's a human being you can have off days, you know, just because X doesn't have an interception a game doesn't mean, you know, he's not doing his job. And at the same time, you shouldn't be relying on X to have an interception a game. If he has one great, but you know, the bigger thing for me, again, as, as we're, as we're talking about and just recapping it, I think we just need to get, you know, just more well-rounded on all, all phases of the ball. And I know that sounds crazy considering we had what uh, until the last game of the season was, I believe the number one scoring defense, but you know, teams aren't able to score points when you have that many turnovers. But if you look at, you take away those turnovers, we're not talking here saying that the dolphins are the number one scoring defense. 
So, you know, there are a lot of areas which you, you it's funny because we'll talk about draft in a little bit, but I, I hear fans all the time that say, you know, if the Dolphins address any defense with the first two rounds, they're crazy. And I'm like, no, they're not. Because if you think our defense is flawless, then you're, you're mistaken. I mean, I understand maybe if they want to go a little more offense heavy, but to think that this defense is just don't need to touch it. It's good. I mean, am I wrong in thinking that it would be unwise for the Dolphins not to address defense, not heavily, but not to address in the first two, three rounds? Oh, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm probably in the minority here. You know, most people are draft, you know, pits or a wide receiver, you know, in the first round. If, if it was up to me, my first pick would be offensive tackle. My next pick would be edge. My pick after that would be linebacker. Pick after that would be center. I mean, I'd addressed all that before I started, you know, going after weapons. Right. And I guess, you know, let's, let's just talk about draft real quick because we might as well, we're getting into it. Um, I, I am of the exact same mindset and, you know, I, I posted about it on Twitter. I know, I know you saw, and it's something that we very strongly believe in you and I, I guess we are in the minority to think the assumption that the dolphins will take wide receiver or tight end with their first pick, wherever it is, you know, we'll talk about trade backs in a little, but to assume that is kind of misguided because Chris Greer in the five years that he's been drafting for the Dolphins since 2016 has never taken a wide receiver in the first round. In fact, he's only taken three receivers. If you consider tight ends, he's only taken three skill players. I should say running back tight end receiver in his 17 first, second and third round picks he's had. He took Mike Kosicki, Kenyon Drake and Leonte crew. And so for dolphin fans to just assume because, you know, there's Jalen Waddle and there's Pitts, there's Chase, there's Devontae Smith. Like to assume that the Dolphins now, because everyone loves them, are just going to going to take one of those guys. I think you're setting yourself up for disappointment. Not saying that they won't take one of those guys, but let's not forget when we took Laramie Tunsil. Okay, that was Chris Greer's first draft pick. Laramie Tunsil was not a need on the team in fans' eyes, right? We had Brandon Albert, left tackle, pro bowler, good quality left tackle. We drafted Laramie Tunsil because he was considered by many top five in the draft, easily top five. And so he falls to 13 because of the whole incident, and Chris Greer jumps on that. How is Dolphin fans then, with that in mind, are we not to expect if we trade back with the Carolina Panthers, say, or someone at eight or nine, you know, whatever it is, and someone like Penny Sewell or Rayshon Slater falls to us, how are we to, to be blind and think, oh, yeah, we're not going to take one of them. We're going to take a wide receiver. No, no, no. Like, you talk about it all the time, you, you and you can get into it. You do a lot of offensive line film analysis. Our offensive line, if we can add an offensive lineman, a good quality offensive lineman like Penny Sewell, Ray Sean Slater, who can play all five positions. People that think our offensive line is good. Oh, we spent two draft picks, top 50. We got Robert Hunt, Austin Jackson. We're good now. No, no, we, we still need Please to no. Please don't think that. Right, exactly. And I, I get a lot of slack for that because people are like, no, we need to get a wide receiver. And I'm like, okay, but what's, what's good about a wide receiver if you don't have time to throw to them? Let's, and then let's not also factor in the fact that Tua has an injury history. 
So why would you not try to get as good as you can on, on your offensive line? Look, I, first of all, as far as, you know, trying to predict, you know, Dolphins draft, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. After Noah at pick 30 last year, right. I'm done. I, I have no after, after this past free agency. Yeah. I mean, because first of all, Noah, you know, in last year's draft, nobody was going to pick Noah in the top 60. Okay. And they picked him at 30. Right. Um, knowing he was the youngest player, you know, in the NFL, knowing that he was a project and, and still reached, you know, to pick him. And he may be an all pro Hall of Fame player. I'm not saying any of this to discredit him. Right. But, just you, you know, have no idea what, what Chris Greer's thinking. Yeah. I mean, that, that draft position for that pick is, I mean, is odd. Right. So, I mean, I can't predict that, but, you know, when we offensive line, and I'll be honest with you, um, I started this NFL season and, you know, basically as a normal, you know, casual fan. And I mean, I still am, but as the season's gone on, I've gotten, you know, more into watching the all 22 and more into looking at the numbers. If you would have asked me, you know, at the time of the national championship game, I would have told you Devontae Smith, you know, send the pick in, just go ahead and mail a postcard, right. you know, uh, to the commissioner, we're done. Um, but when you actually start looking at the data, uh, you know, I'm going to be honest with you here. This is what's crazy. If anybody thinks that the Dolphins line is fine, let me just tell you this. The Dolphins have not one, but two tackles ranked in the top 15 of most pressures allowed in the entire NFL. Not one, but two tackles ranked in the top 15. Do you know how just mathematically incredibly hard that is to do? <laughs> I mean, it's difficult to be that bad. Okay. And, and to give you an example, and I know everybody says, well, they're rookies. They didn't have preseason. And I get that. And when I say this in critiquing their play, none of this is to say that they can't get better. They won't right. be better. We should you know, cut them. I'm not advocating for any of that. But what I'm trying to say is, is, Stop thinking about the player and just think about math. If you have multiple players who are that bad, what is the actual odds that all of them improve to the level of play you want? Right. It's, it's pretty low, okay? And when you look at this, Austin Jackson, and some people can give grief about this, but, I mean, I can tell you the specific game, so – I won't, you know, go back and forth. And I, and I don't think any one stat is golden. I just want to put that out there. I'm just pointing to different things. But Austin Jackson was ranked the 75th guard, or tackle out of 79 qualifying tackles. I mean, and, and on top of that, if you say, oh, well, the rankings and the grades, they don't matter that much. He gave up 38 pressures, 38, okay? Um, and on top of that, Davis, he gave up 34 now, look, we can talk about rookies, and, and when we do, I'll just point you to this. Worse, you know how many pressures he gave up? 22. On Winnu for the Pats, you know how many pressures he gave up? 14. What about Becton for the Jets? 23. The, all those players I just named graded out at 84, 84, 74. Austin Jackson, 52.3. Solomon Kinley graded out at a 51.3, the 70th ranked guard out of 80. 
to give you an example, Damian Lewis, 71.2. Great as a rookie. So my thing is, is you have to look. There's issues or there was not a high level of play with Jackson, Davis, Kinley, Flowers. Okay, and and we're not even mentioning center at this point, but now you have four guys whose level of play was not, you know, where it needed to be last year. And I will tell you, Hunt, I'm a fan of Hunt. Hunt started the season terribly. However, over the last six weeks of the season, he graded out as a top five tackle in the entire NFL. That is where you see, hey, this guy can take a jump. Right, you see that. Yeah, the other guys I mentioned, they did not do that. So this blind faith that, you know, Jackson, Kinley, Davis, they're all magically going to get to camp and drink the water and just magically be fixed, I think that is you're hoping for a whole lot yeah, you know, and, for all that to happen. But even, but even I'll say regardless, like as I, as I mentioned before, let's say Austin Jackson, I know it probably makes it less of a chance you take a guy like Penny Sewell, right? If Austin Jackson has a, a, a much better rookie season, but let's not forget it. As I said, like Laramie Tunsil, we did not need technically that left tackle. I understand Brandon Albert was getting a little older, but he was a good enough left tackle. He was, he was very good. And Laramie Tunsil falls to them and they say, you know what? We want to have a good offensive line. And what did that good offensive line bring you? Well, it brought Adam Gase 10 and six, which is, should be enough. But on top of that, now you have that third overall pick because you drafted Laramie Tunsil. Yes, he's not on the team anymore, which you can, you know, not like, you can like, but you're in this position now talking about this third pick because you took Laramie Tunsil when technically it wasn't the most important need. And I think for me, you know, for all the reasons you just mentioned, you know, you talked about the stats, you talked about just their overall play. Again, to think that the Dolphins are just settled now because they're like, yeah, we addressed it. We're moving on. That's the old Dolphins. Chris Greer, I believe in my mind, is a we will address it until it's good. And I don't think there was anything about this last season on I'll, I'll exclude everyone. I'll include everyone except Robert Hunt because he's my favorite offensive lineman. And it's a shame because we had an offensive lineman making 10 million a year in Eric Flowers, yet he was at times one of our worst. Um, especially like you talk about the interior. Uh, but again, to exclude offensive tackle just because you drafted someone last year, I mean, what's the point? Is the point to be right or is the point to get better? Because I think a lot of people just want the pick to be right. They're like, yeah, Austin Jackson, he'll improve. He'll be a top five tackle next year. Or you can get a guy in Penny Sewell that unless some magic happens where he forgets to play tackle overnight, he's going to be a top five tackle in the NFL. It might, yeah, not, I mean, it might not be at first when he first comes into the NFL, but he will get there. Him or like a Rashawn Slater, they will be a good tackle. You don't get second in Heisman voting as Penny Sewell if you if you're not going to translate well into the NFL. Yeah, I agree with it. I mean, I don't know. I mean, here's my thing. If the floor is Austin Jackson with a 52 grade and 38 pressures, uh, I mean, there's only one way to go, and that's up. Right. Uh, I mean, you're talking about, like I said, worse had 22 pressures graded out at an 84. So you're talking 30 points better. Yeah. Okay, Becton, 23 pressures. 
Okay, so you're looking at 15 less pressures. He graded 22 points higher. Um, so, you know, the floor is Austin Jackson. And, and, and here's my thing. Austin Jackson may develop into a Hall of Fame, you know, tackle. No discredit, you know, discredit to him. He can play the position much better than I can. Um, however, it's just a fact of when you look at Jackson, Kinley, Flowers, okay, Davis, they have so far to go, you know, to catch up with the worst, the Beckton's and, and the Lindsley's and, and, you know, those offensive line people. And when you look at that, it's just, will they get better? Yeah. But are they going to get better to the point, you know, where we're wanting them to go? Or are they, you know, going to include, you know, improve by two or three pressures each year? Right. I mean, because you're banking on a lot again, like here's, and, and also here's my thing. I'm just, I'm tired of having mediocre offensive lines. And I know that may sound like, you know, something that a lot of people are talking about with wide receivers are like, I want to have that wide receiver. I want to have that guy. I want to have that running back. I want to have that offensive line. Cause you want to know my favorite types of game were to watch. I loved watching the Indianapolis Colts because they just said, you know what, we're, you're not going to get to our quarterback. We can run wherever we want because we have the offensive line that can separate and create holes, which also let's not forget you address offensive line that fixes running back because look, yes, there are certain running backs that are better than others. Obviously you talk about someone like Derrick Henry is going to be better than Savan Ahmed. Okay. Yeah. We understand that, but you give Savan Ahmed an open hole to run. He's not an idiot. He will run through the hole. And so I say this all the time. I understand I want a really good running back, but I also want run like I want lanes that our running backs can run through. And so let's address the offensive line so we can sure up our pass protection. We can get good guys in there and that we don't have to worry about getting the best running back available. I mean, the Steelers have done it for years. They've just like, yeah, we'll, we'll get a good offensive line and we'll just get some running back in the fourth round named Le'Veon Bell. And then he looks like amazing then he goes to the Jets and now with the Kansas City Chiefs and he's like not the same guy because he's not running behind a, you know, top 10 offensive line in the NFL. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I don't want to see him, uh, me personally, I don't want to see him, you know, pound the rock into submission against everybody. But I mean, if it's a win, it's a win. But um, to me, it's not the most exciting football, but you, every, every point you made is right. Look, people don't realize just how quick Tua and Fitz got rid of the ball last year. Um, I put out a graphic, you know, that it was basically like a line chart that showed, you know, how fast. But, you know, when you combine two and fifths, you know, release to time to throw, it was the second fastest in the entire NFL. Okay. And, and even despite getting rid of it, the second fastest in the NFL, that offensive line still gave up over two sacks a game. Yep. Okay. And, you know, look, Insert your favorite player's name here, Devontae Smith, Kyle Pitts, whoever, okay? Um, just for this argument, we'll say Devontae Smith. Yeah, Devontae Smith will look, you know, great. He'll look, you know, wonderful in a Dolphins uniform lined up, you know, out wide or in the slot, okay? But when you go to hand it off to Miles Gaskin, Devontae Smith, ain't gonna, he, ain't, he ain't helping. Right. Okay, you know, he's going to help you when you call pass plays, absolutely. But he's not going to help you when it comes to blocking for Miles Gaskin. Um, so, you know, while I love Devontae Smith, absolutely love him. I, I don't, I think of him differently than most people. I don't have a problem with his weight. I think he's the best wide receiver. 
um, and would give anything to have him. But, you know, we can have him, and then Tua gets sacked the third week of the year, you know, and something happens. You know, it, it, we're, we're back to square one. Right. Yeah, I think – I mean, I th- look, after you watch the Super Bowl, I mean, I, I really don't think – after you watch the Super Bowl, you talk about the Kansas City Chiefs, okay, best quarterback in the NFL, best wide receiving core in the NFL, best tight end in the NFL, didn't even score 10 points because the offensive line. And so, and what I was saying before, it's not necessarily I want us to run the ball every single down, pound the rock. I'm just saying I want an offensive line that going into every game, I know we can really impose our will. We can do whatever we want. We can run the ball. We can go back to it, can stay back there for more than what was it? Like it's got to be close to two seconds that they had last year. So I'm just saying I want us to I want to know going to every game when you have the advantage offensively, just offensively speaking, we'll, we'll get into defense, but offensively speaking, when you have the advantage, your offensive line is better than de- their defensive line. Man, that that just opens up everything for your team. Absolutely. Not to mention the RPO game. Uh, yeah, I mean, how RPO, if you don't have a good offensive line, it's just a, it's a PO game. Because why, why would anyone fear your run game? Because you're not going to be able to run it. You don't have – and that, that's really a problem that we faced this last year when you talk about the offensive line. Look at all the factors. You have a rookie quarterback who, ha, who just came off a, an injury that should have ended his career, but it didn't. So you have that in the back of your – he has that in the back of his mind. Then he has to factor in, oh, I'm playing in the NFL, better competition, better players. Oh, and then on top of it, you're trying to ask me to find – you know, Devonte Parker, who's wide open. Meanwhile, I have a six, six, 250 pound man running at me because Eric flowers doesn't know how to, you know, block a stunt or something. You know what I mean? Like I understand yeah. Tua didn't have the best rookie season, but I mean, how much are you asking this kid to do in his first year? You're expecting him to come out there like Russell Wilson, his first season when he just comes off an injury rookie season, never seen this level of competition coming from Alabama, which is definitely going to be a transition. Oh, and on top of it, his offensive line's giving him at max 2.53 seconds to throw the football. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I agree with all that. When you look, I mean, Tua and Fitz combined for the second fastest release when it comes to, you know, time to throw. Okay, on top of that, when you look at our run game for the offensive line, yards before contact, rushing the ball, the Dolphins finished 19th. I mean, not terrible. I mean, it's not 30th, right. okay, but 19th, okay. Um, and, and then, like I said, the fastest release, but yet, you know, you're still averaging over two sacks a game. And then, you know, one of the bigger issues that we do need to address, but I, I'm big on let's fix the offensive line first, is, you know, yards after contact, right. which is going to be solely on the running back, the Dolphins rank 31st in the NFL. Well, yeah, I mean, and you look at because I understand you like you want a bigger back. And I guess that's kind of what we hoped Jordan Howard would be, you know, before he got like three snaps in the first three games and then we got rid of him. But I mean, you I, I like Miles Gaskin. Don't get me wrong. Like I, I, I think a good amount of Miles Gaskin a game, he could be a great weapon because I mean, you saw what he did with the Raiders. You get the ball in his hands. He'll make a play and he has some pretty good balance, low center of gravity balance, but he's not a, he's not a bruiser. He's not going to be someone where you hit him and he's going to gain the extra two yards all the time. And that's something that 
we need to look at with running back. We need to get more people in there that aren't, I mean, I don't know the exact measurables of Savan Ahmed and Miles Gaskin, but they're not the biggest dudes in the world. You know, obviously they're bigger than me. They're football players, but you know what I'm saying? Like we, we just need to get guys in there that are going to have some fight, which is actually something I like about Malcolm Brown, the free agent edition. I, I understand he's not the greatest free agent edition in the world at the running back position. He's no Aaron Jones, but I think he gives you a lot younger, a lot more, versatile version of what you were looking for in Jordan Howard, that guy that's going to punish you every time he gets the ball. Yeah, let's, I got a little exercise here that I think will sort of wrap this, this thing up and and it gives the totality. Tell me this, what do you think of Patrick Mahomes as a quarterback? Just short answer. You think he's elite? You think he's terrible? What's your answer? I think he's the, aside from maybe Deshaun Watson or Aaron Rodgers, best in the NFL. Okay, so let's just do a little comp- – okay. Patrick Mahomes had 91 snaps from offensive – from rookies on his offensive line this year. Tua, 2,318. On top of that, Mahomes' time to throw rank was 35th. Tua, 7th. Aggressive throws, which is defined as, you know, throwing into a window where there is one yard or less separation to your wide receivers. Mahomes, his aggressive throw rank was 39th. He threw it into tight windows 11.4%. Tua, 6th. He threw it into aggressive windows 20.3, you know, percent of the time. And then lastly, the average separation from the top two targets for Mahomes, 3.2 yards. Tua, 1.85. Right. I mean, I'd, each one of those is I'd just curious. wildly, I know. I, you know. I'd be curious to see what those numbers are, too, for Justin Herbert. Yeah, I've, I've got that. I don't have it right to second. I can post it out on Twitter and tag. No, yeah, I'd be curious to see what those numbers are for Justin Herbert because – I don't know if you saw. I don't know if you saw that recent video that came out. Um, it was Kurt Warner's. Uh, oh he, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Watching that video, I was like, "Look, Tua's not perfect." I think anyone who thinks Tua is perfect, it's like, okay, you you must just be blind. Like I, I really like Tua. I'm probably maybe one of his biggest fans, but I'm not going to say he's perfect. There's obviously tons of stuff he has to improve on. Don't get me wrong, but when people just like want to put all the blame on him, I'm like, you clearly just. You didn't look at the numbers. I'm sorry. You you aren't looking at the right things when you factor in. Let's not – can we all remember the Kansas City Chiefs game where he was throwing to literally people who were on the practice squad at the beginning of the season? <laughs> can, like, I, I need us to understand that he needs talent around him, and that just doesn't mean wide receiver running back. Like, he needs a talented team around him. I could argue that – you give a quarterback like Deshaun Watson, which is kind of a tricky subject because of everything going on with him right now, but just take that aside. Deshaun Watson, you give him the Kansas City Chiefs roster, healthy O-line, best wide receivers in the NFL, best tight end. Who's to say he's not doing the exact same thing Mahomes is doing? So like this whole notion that two is not elite because he didn't put up numbers like Justin Herbert, the, the fact that the kid was able to stay healthy the fact that the kid had a 13 to 5 touchdown including rush touchdown touchdown to interception ratio he was like 65 completion percentage 
and he was dealing with all those factors quick, like second quickest released. He, his wide receivers, I think I see you would know probably better than I do. I'm pretty sure our receivers were last in the NFL in separation. I, I think I'd be correct in saying that. Right. Yeah, actually, when you uh, first of all, Devontae Parker's top is like I think number one or number two in worst. Worst when it comes to getting separation, Mike Gusecki, he's top five worst as yeah. well. Um, but I actually put together all the next gen stats and pulled them per player, and then combined it by team. So uh, you know, to give you a you know the Miami Dolphins average separation is this in Miami and the Dolphins are absolutely dead last in the NFL when it comes to you know getting open getting open and and you get, like are there going to be times look, to to expect a wide receiver like we talked about with X getting an interception any game every game a wide receiver is not going to get you know 3 yards or or something every single play however Tua in years to come is going to learn, you know, I need, I can throw it into tighter windows. But as a rookie, you're asking a rookie to have overall the least amount of separation from his wide receivers, and you're expecting him to just go out there and, and sling the rock like Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's been doing it for 17 years. No, like, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. You go back and watch the film. There were many times – there was one play, okay? It was, the, it, it was one that Kurt, uh, Kurt Warner was talking about, and it was against the Chargers. And I think the route concept, there were two wide receivers. That was it. It was Mike Kosicki and Devontae Parker. Everyone else was blocking for him because we couldn't block for him at all that game. Everyone was blocking for him except two wide receivers. And especially now that you mentioned that, Mike Kosicki top five in tight ends in separation, in lack of separation, Devontae Parker number one. What do you what do you want the kid to do? I mean, you have two receivers. I, I kid you not. I don't know if you want to go back and look at the play in your in your spare time. He had two wide receivers going out. That's it. With all the DBs covering him safeties. And on top of it, it's Mike Kosicki and Devontae Parker who don't have a lot of separation. The play ended up in an incomplete pass, and people are like, you know, two needs to get that ball out sooner. Yeah, but also, can we get a play that's not setting him up for, you know, possible failure with the two guys with the least amount of separation you know, or top five separation, least amount of separation in their perspective, you know, respective category, their respective position. Can we, can we actually set him up with players who can get open so he doesn't have to try to fit it into a tight window every pass? Yeah. I think two of the biggest, you know, misconceptions that aggravate me is, is that people say that Tua needs to learn to throw it in the tight windows. And, you know, to that, I would say I absolutely disagree. Uh, because he's he's already throwing it into tight windows at an alarming rate, and and we talked about not being sustainable. If Tua continues, you know, next season and the season thereafter, throwing into tight windows twenty percent of the time, he won't be an NFL quarterback. No, you, you can't get away with it that much. When you look at the successful quarterbacks, they're throwing it into tight windows. You know, 12 percent of the time. Granted, some of that needs to be you know Tua's eye adjustment. Okay, you know, learning coverages, pre-snap, post-snap, things of that nature. Um, He's got to learn to do that. But as far as throwing it in the tight windows, I disagree. I mean, if you look at most of Tua's touchdowns, uh, I mean, he he threw his first touchdown pass to Devontae Parker, and it was one of the closest defended plays in the entire NFL. And, and he's throwing, he he's throwing jump ball, you know, uh, routes in the end zone to Mac Hollins. Yeah. Okay. He threw the one and, you know, and I joke, 
you know, I, I call it the, you know, screw it. Gusecki's down there somewhere, you know, to, in the Chiefs game. Okay. And I'm going to be honest with you, that's a terrible pass. He should have never threw that. Right. Uh, but I mean, it ended up okay. It's one of those, you know, where you're, when you're a rec league coach, you're like, oh, don't do that. Oh, okay. Right. Um, you, you know, but when you go back and look at it, there's no reason that ball should have been thrown. And, right. and if he throws it 10 times, it's probably picked off six or seven times. Um, so I don't necessarily agree with throwing it in the tight windows. I do think that there's got to be a lot of work, you know, as far as to recognizing coverages. I mean, he had a hard time, you know, you know, for some reason going up against cover two and finding the void, you know, there on the sideline. So, you know, those things I think to a cannon will, you know, greatly improve. I just don't think that, I, I mean, there's no quarterback in the NFL that makes a living, you know, throwing jump balls. Right, And when it comes to having to throw into tight windows, it's we all want to talk about, well, the quarterback needs to learn to trust. Well, how about the wide receiver learn how to get open? Right. Yep. You know, I mean, that's your job. You know, the quarterback's trying to read coverages, you know, watch his offensive line. Okay, check where safeties are, looking at multiple people. I mean, as a wide receiver, get open. Yeah, well, that's if they're on the field too. I mean, that's another problem is who's he, he like a healthy Devonte Parker. Don't get me wrong. Healthy Devonte Parker. I could, I consider when Devonte Parker's healthy, I, there's not many wide receivers that, that have that same skill set, that 50, 50 ball that I would take in the NFL over him when healthy. But the problem is last year, you never had hundred percent Devonte Parker. Preston Williams has only played 50% of the game since he's been in the NFL and then again, who, what quality depth do you have? I mean, there were times last year where Tua's main target was Lynn Bowden, a rookie third round pick. So, uh, and, but I, I don't like to talk about this too much because then people say, okay, well, given all that, why would you not take a wide receiver with your first overall pick? And the reason I say that is because the top five wide receivers in the NFL right now, aside from DeAndre Hopkins, you look at Devontae Adams, Stefan Diggs, DK Metcalf, Tyreek Hill. Michael Thomas, if you want to consider him a top six wide receiver, DeAndre Hopkins is the only one taken in the first round. Like I'm tired of seeing teams like the Steelers because my brother and dad are Steelers fans. I'm tired of seeing teams like them take wide receivers in the second and third round every year and making them turn into like pro bowlers. Yet you have other teams out there that reach for a Henry Ruggs, AKA the Raiders who don't know what the hell they're doing, but you have teams like that that take wide receivers all the time in the first round and they end up not working out. Yet you have, again, you have teams year after year. It's not like this, this fluke, a blip in the radar year after year, you have receivers taken in the third, fourth and fifth rounds that end up becoming top 10 at their position. And so for, for the dolphins to stay at three, Okay, that, that's not even considering trade back. Even if they were to trade back for the Dolphins to take a wide receiver, I think is very risky considering a year like this year where the wide receiver depth is, I mean, it, it, it's very good. You have people like Dwayne Eskridge, Elijah Moore. I love Rashad Bateman and Kadarius Toney, even though they're in like the first round probably. But there are wide receivers in this draft where you can get them in the second, third round that I think given the right team, the right system, they're going to be studs from the very beginning. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree, you know, whatsoever. I mean, I, I ultimately, I, I'm one of those that 
I don't really care about if you draft a wide receiver in the first round or the third round. My thing is, is, you know, identify your guy, a guy that, you know, either fits into your system or a guy that you already have a plan of how you can best utilize him. Mm-hmm. And, and then, you know, once you do that, go get him. And, you know, what my thing is, is I'd love Devontae Smith. I think you could do a lot with him. But I, I just can't justify, you know, going and getting somebody who's going to ha- help the passing game when I could get someone who's going to help the passing game, the run game, and the overall health of Tua, you know, right. when it comes to the offensive line. And, you know, getting an edge rusher. Yeah, and, and my hope, you know, regardless of where they take a wide receiver, because at the end of the day, if, if they took a wide receiver with their first pick, they trade back. First of all, I want them to trade back. Are you one of those people who – prefers them to trade back rather than take their guy at three? You know, I don't know. I haven't gotten real too deep in it. My thing is, is, and, and I'm pretty simple, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to set my, not set myself up for, you know, <laughs> disappointment. Uh, you know, my only ask is that the Dolphins identify, you know, who the best offensive tackle prospect is. I know most people's first instinct is going to say Sewell, but there are some people who say that Sewell is not, is not as NFL ready as some other tackles, but he has a higher ceiling. So my thing is, is identify, you know, who are your one, two elite tackles and then get him. And if that's at three, that's at three. If you can, you know, maybe you don't have Sewell as highly ranked. Maybe you think, you know, Darisol or, you know, the Texas tackle, you know, you think they are the best value. Okay, well, if you can do that and, you know, trade down to eight, get another pick and still get him, then, hey, do that too. I, you know, I'm trying not to set myself up where, hey, I hope they trade back and do this and do this because I, I think I walk away severely disappointed. Right. I, I Yeah, I, I'll say that on the podcast. I say if you – are wanting one specific thing. And and I would like a trade back. I will say I would like a trade back. However, if they don't trade back, I'm not I think the people that expect, not only expect, but their their happiness with the draft predicates on the Dolphins doing what they want. They're the people that get upset all the time. They're the people that when the Dolphins don't take you know, insert whoever you want that this person in the draft, they're the ones that are like, this draft sucks. I mean, I saw a guy that said, if the Dolphins don't draft Najee Harris, the the draft sucked. And I'm like, okay, well, you're setting your, yourself up for major disappointment because the chances of a Dolphin taking a running back in the first round, which I highly doubt they would do, not to say Najee Harris isn't great. I think he's really good. But to say that if the Dolphins don't take Najee Harris, in the first round at 18, the whole draft sucks. I'm like, man, you guys are setting yourself up for major disappointment right now. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty narrow view. I mean, and and I think most of that just gets to and and I think we we've all had it at times, or at least I know I have, where you see a player, you fall in love with him, whether it be because he plays for a school, you know, that you cheer for, or whether it be, you know, you you just fell in love with him. So I mean that happens to the best of us at times of, yeah. man, if they don't get, you know, Najee, they don't get Devontae, you know, the whole thing stinks. And I, I've probably been there for a few moments before, but. Oh, no, I, know, I've been know. there before. I've, <laughs> I've, I've been there with many players. I, I'm, I'm in a way I'm, I'm like that with Jalen Waddle. Like I love Waddle, but I wouldn't go as far to say if we don't get him 
or whoever it is, like, you know, it's going to suck. But there are definitely players that I'm like, man, you, you wish the Dolphins had more first-round picks, which is crazy because we've had five in the last two years. But you wish you had more picks because there are a lot of guys that you want. But I think really at this point with Dolphin fans and with the Dolphins, it's, yeah, there are a lot of good players. But as always, it should be who's going to be the best at improving us right away. And that's why I think you look at offensive tackle, Rayshon Slater. I mean, I could make an argument. I said this on the podcast about a month ago. I said the exact same thing you just said about Penny Sewell. I could argue Rayshon Slater or Darisol are more NFL ready. The issue is Penny Sewell, if he gets to that point where they are at, where they're NFL ready, based off his athleticism and all the intangibles, his ceiling is much higher. But if you're talking about, I honestly think if you're talking about a guy who right away is going to have the greatest impact, it's probably Slater, honestly, because he can play so many positions. And I mean, just go look up the film of when he went against Chase Young. I mean, the dude, I it, he's a very good tackle. So I think the Dolphins options, if they want to take tackle, I mean, I, I think I think they could get their guy three. I think if the Dolphins feel like they want to tackle and they trade back, I think it's because they know they could probably get him. I don't think with a right. position as important, I mean, it's like with Tua. Like if they really felt the need, they wanted Tua and they were not going to get him at five, they would have traded up. But they knew no one's taking him. We're, we're going to throw some smoke screens. No one's taking him before five. I don't think the Dolphins will trade back unless they feel like they can get their guy that they want to eat. I don't think that's who the Dolphins are. I don't think they're going to be a team that just goes into the draft nonchalant. Chris Greer is going to play chess, and he's going to say, these are the guys we want, and if we get the right offer and we feel like we can get this guy because we have him ranked higher than other teams might, I think they will 100% trade back. But, you know, as far as wide receiver, just going back to what I was, what I was going to say, my only ask for wide receiver is can we get something that we don't already have? Cause that's my major issue <laughs> with, you know, I mean, that was my major issue with Preston Williams and Devonte Parker is yes. When they're healthy, they're very good, but they're the same guy. Like I understand maybe they have a little difference, but that's what I loved about the Will Fuller signing is you do have the injury concern. You have, obviously he has the one week suspension, but, I mean, my God, at least he adds something to your team that you don't have. And don't tell me Jakeem Grant. Don't don't say that he's that, that, you know, that Will Fuller. I just ask whatever wide receiver we add, whether it's first, second, third, fourth, fifth round, can it be something that we don't have? And the, the, what that would be for the Dolphins right now would be a guy who – I because I would say with the separation, that is Will Fuller. He's good at separating. He's that deep skill or that deep ball – you know, he's going to run down the field and actually catch the ball. Hashtag Jakeem Grant. Devontae Parker is that physical 15 to 20 yard, 50, 50 ball guy. We need a guy who is able to get the ball like a Jarvis Landry and do something with it. And I understand there's Lynn Bowden and I think he has potential because he did it a lot last year. But for me, that's the missing piece to this Dolphins offense. Is there a wide receiver that can get off the line of scrimmage, get off, get off his break real quick and let's just get the ball in his hands and let him make plays. Because right now the Dolphins don't have playmakers. Let, let's not even talk about getting open. When Devontae Parker gets the ball in his hands, he's going down two, three yards afterwards. Because there's not, there's not much he can do. That's not to say anything bad about him. That's not who he is. Will Fuller's one of those guys. He's fast. 
he's not going to be one of those guys that's going to be shifty and make you miss, in my opinion. We need a guy like a Jarvis Landry that just get the ball in his hand and he'll gain an extra five yards somehow, some way. I agree. I got a, I got, I got a question for you now. Okay. What is your, what is your prediction for the for draft? next year? What's your, your, oh, your for, ceiling and your floor? Well, they always say 10 and six is a trap. <laughs> they always say 10 and six is the trap year because I remember they said that about the Adam Gase year. And then I was like, nah, we went 10 and six. We're going to be great. And then the next year we, what was it? We go seven and nine. I think it was or six and it was bad. Whatever it was, it was bad. Um, and so my heart, like my, my heart tells me we have Brian Flores. We have a quarterback in Tua that I believe both of us have a lot of faith in not saying he's perfect, but I think both of us have a lot of faith in his ability, you know, just accuracy, uh, discipline. I think he has more mobility than people give him credit for. I think he's going to take a big jump year two with more, hopefully a better offensive line, better weapons. Uh, I think the ceiling best case scenario, we do have a tougher schedule this year. Um, I would say probably ceiling is 11 and five. And I know to some people, like there's some people out there that are like dolphins next year, 13, three, 14, two for me, ceiling would be 11 and five. And here's the reason why 10 and six, most years gets you into the playoffs, except this year, because there were seven teams and all of them happened to be 11 and five. Okay. So usually 10 and six gets you into the playoffs. For me, I'm less of a records prediction. What I want to see from the dolphins uh, but what I want to see from them non-record wise is I want to see a team that is more complete. I want to see a team that is able to beat the Buffalo Bills because I, as I said, I, until we can beat the Buffalo Bills consistently, we're not going anywhere. It starts in your division. If you can't beat the Bills, they're a good team. If you can't beat them handily, I'm not saying like, I, I, I want to see a game where you're like, oh, we're just as good as that team. It's going to be a brawl till the end. Like, that's what I want to see. I want to see the Dolphins compete with good teams. Not that we didn't last year, but I want, you know what, you know what I'm talking about? Like, I want to see the Dolphins yeah. go up against a good team. And I'm like, we are just as good as them. And I want to see the Dolphins get into the playoffs, whatever record it is. You know, even if the Dolphins went 10 and six next year, I, I'm one of those people that if the Dolphins can go 10 and six and two looks better and it's maybe just 10 and six, because there were a couple of games where, you know, maybe your ex didn't have a 10 interception season. You go 10 and six, but it's a better 10 and six where it's a more complete 10 and six Tua looks better. You beat some good teams like the saints, or maybe you went up against the Colts who should be a good team and you, you beat them or the Buccaneers. That's what I care more about. I want to see a more complete dolphins team. Obviously I don't want us to regress. I don't, I don't want us to see nine and seven, um, but I think ceiling for the dolphins, I think we could go 11 and five. I mean, I think the jets have a long way to go. I still think we have the upper hand there. I think that should be two wins, even though they're better. I, I we're just the better team and they have a long way to go. I think they're heading in the right direction, unfortunately. Uh, but I think there's two wins there against the Patriots. That's usually a draw. So that's that game, the bills. I hope it's a draw. That's four wins. We're playing the Jaguars and the Texans. That should be two wins. Um, we're playing the Panthers and the Saints, to be honest. I don't know how good they're going to be, to be honest. 
Uh, now that I think about it, I know they have some weapons defense, but I don't know, just Drew Brees not there. I, I just don't know. The Panthers, I think that's a win. So right now I'm at eight wins. Um, and then I think there'll probably be like one or two games that the Dolphins win that they shouldn't. But obviously there'll be games that we lose that we shouldn't, just like the Denver game. So I'm going to say 11 and five is the ceiling. Floor hopefully is no lower than eight and eight. Playoffs, yes or no? I think, oh my God, it's so crazy because so much can happen. You know what I mean? Like one thing can happen, good or bad. Uh, I would say Dolphins make the playoffs because they, there's no reason for me to believe that the Dolphins won't improve. Um, As much as we question Greer and Flo, I mean, for them to take a five and 11 team that shouldn't have won any games to five and 11, for them to go 10 and six last year, even though it wasn't a consistent 10 and six, it was more so because Xavier Howard was Xavier Howard last year. Uh, But yeah, I, I, I think we make the playoffs this year. I think there are a lot of teams that, in the AFC are, uh, I I think there are a lot of teams that are on the decline that you wouldn't think. Like I'm not a fan of the Ravens. I think they are going on the decline. Pittsburgh's not going to be the same this year. I think that's another playoff team. Uh, The Browns got better. um, But again, I just, I don't know about Baker Mayfield. So I say the Dolphins make it in. I really do think the Dolphins are a top eight team in the AFC. And obviously a lot of this depends on the development of our rookies from year one to two. Um, But yeah, I'm going to say if I could just give you a yes or no answer after talking for like 50 minutes, sorry. But yeah, if I could give you a yes or no, if I could give you a yes or no answer, I think the Dolphins make the playoffs this year. That's interesting. Okay. I'm I'm a little different. Um, I think, and I'll just tell you why for me, you know, floor to ceiling is you know, floor six wins, ceiling nine wins. I, I don't think because when I look at other teams across the league, you know, and and look at their re-signings, okay. I mean, the Patriots, you know, you got John O. Henry, Aguilar, Judon, okay, Jalen Mills, a couple others, okay. But, you know, you talked about beating the Bills consistently with me. Uh, I mean, we can't start with the Bills until we can beat the Patriots. I mean, everybody wants to talk about how bad Cam Newton was. He beat on week one. And and people say, oh, it was week one. Yeah, it was week one. And the Patriots had more opt-outs than any other NFL team with a brand-new quarterback week one. And then when the – Dolphins did beat the Bills. It was a 10-point game. I mean, when you combine the score of those two games, it's 33 to 33. So tell me how much better the Dolphins are than the Patriots. I, I don't I don't think that there's that big a gap. But yet the Patriots are signing, you know what I mean, playmakers, you know, across the field. And people, yes, this is a we have a lot of draft picks, um, a lot of potential there. But I pointed out the other day. Do you know how many rookie wide receivers had 1K receiving yards this past season? One. Yeah, it was just Justin Jefferson. Yeah, one. And and when I did the numbers, I think you have a one in five chance of getting a receiver who will get more than 600 yards in a season in a rookie. 
based on this past draft. So you, you've got about a 20% chance, okay, um, of getting a rookie who's going to get 600. So my thing is, is take the production that this offense did last season and tell me who's going to just drastically, you know what I mean, improve their stock. Yeah, Will Fuller is a very nice weapon. Okay, but, you know, on average, he only plays about 11 games a season. Okay, um, so you're, you're depending on can he stay healthy even though he hasn't played a full season his entire career. Um, and then can we get rookies to come in? Yeah, you'll get rookies to come in, but, you know, you know Justin Jefferson's don't grow on trees. So, you know, I don't see a huge difference in the offense from last year to this year. I'll also tell you I'm not sold on and don't agree with having two offensive coordinators. Um, you know, and nobody knowing in the public who's going to call plays. You know, I think I, I look at that as, hey, I know best. I'm not going to tell you, blah, blah, blah. And, and here's the thing. Flores has done an absolutely tremendous job. But this entire staff has not done one thing offensively in the two years they've been there that, that would give you any confidence. I mean, fired offensive coordinators every season. And, and we can talk about the Chan Gailey from last year, but and, and people can blame Chan, Chan Gailey, and I get it, but Flores was, Gailey, was Gailey's boss. I mean, it, it, it happened, you know, and, and he was there. So – I don't think, you know, the draft, the future is very, very bright. I don't, I know I'm seeming, seeming doom and gloom, but I think that this team is still two or three years away, you know, from today, because I think last year beating up on teams that who had a combined 55 and 104 record, you know, in the COVID era, okay, and X having one just absolutely, you know, ridiculous season has gotten a lot of people thinking that they're a lot further along than they actually are. Um, and that's why, you know, they're 23rd in passing yards on defense despite having, you know, quote-unquote, a lockdown, you know, corners on both sides. You know, we blitz more than anybody in the NFL, but only finished 10th in sacks. Okay, we don't have a run game. We don't have an offensive line that's cohesive yet. We got a second-year quarterback. We got wide receivers that can't separate. You know, so when I add all those things up, you know, I do expect some regression from this past season. I don't think it's the negative regression that, you know, it's going to be the same old Dolphins. They're never going to be any good. I just think that the, you know, this past season was a little bit of a, you know, a, a false, you know, hope. And I think that it, you know, I think that in the 2022 season, I think that's when, you know, you're talking about 11, 12 wins and you're talking about playoffs. Right. Yeah. And, and look, there's, there's a part of me that, that thinks and feels all those things too, but and I, it'll just be one of those things where it's just, we agree to disagree. It's not like either one of us is saying anything that's out of the realm possibility or oh, anything yeah, yeah. wrong. But um, my, my just thing, my thing is, I mean, I look at, I could have said all those things coming into this last year, you know, and I understand, look, we, we beat on teams at the bottom. Don't like, yeah, we, we definitely did, but I could say the same thing about, you know, what I felt going into Brian Flores' first year. I mean, we were garbage. Like our roster was just absolute garbage and we won five games. And I know Ryan Fitzpatrick played really well. Yes. But even this last year, I could have looked in and said, I mean, I was thinking seven and nine, eight and eight at best this year. 
and we go 10 and six. And would I be shocked if we didn't make 10 and six? If, as you said, we did eight and eight, nine, seven. No, I wouldn't be shocked. It could very well easily happen. And I wouldn't be that upset. Cause I know, you know, at all the, all the reasons you stated last year, you had X, you had, you know, not as hard of a schedule, but things can happen. You know, I've, this really all predicates. I mean, what if Tua comes out? I'm not saying it could, it won't happen or will happen, but I mean, what if Tua comes out and he just looks a lot more comfortable and he just plays a lot better. And that right there, regardless of the town around is going to elevate the team. Then you have the rookies hopefully developing from year one to two. So just my reason why I'm saying 10 and six, 11 and five is uh, you know, you're playing teams like, you know, the, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Again, we should be, you look at the Texans, we should be the Jets. I still think while they're probably going to be harder fought battles, we should be able to beat both times. I like to think it's going to be a draw with the Buffalo Bills and the Pats. I think it's always been a draw with the Pats, even if we've been worse. Um, and, you know, you look at the Carolina Panthers, I I'm not really sure what they're doing. I don't feel confident with their team, especially with the rookie quarterback. Uh, and then the um, – who else is in their division that I'm, that I'm skipping? Yeah, they play the Titans next year too. No, yeah, no, yeah they, they, they play the Titans. They play, they play some good teams. But what I'm saying is when I look at the games that I'm like, the Dolphins, obviously you'll lose games that you should win every year and vice versa. But just when I look at the game, I'm like, there are a lot of games where we – I feel like we have a coaching advantage. And – that's not something I think we both agree on that, regardless of what record you predict. Oh, absolutely. There are, there are many games now you could feel confident as a Dolphin fan, regardless of roster, you know, because obviously that takes time to build. But there are going to be many games for the next five years, five years plus that the Dolphins get to go into. And you're like, yeah, we have the better coach. We may not right now have the better roster. Like, you know, you look at a game like the, I'm trying to think, game we lost. You look at a game like Denver. They just had they had a better roster. You're playing in Denver, which I went up to Colorado, by the way, like in July. And I was like, oh, that's why that's why too is like that's why people struggle in Denver. I was like, I was heavy breathing up the stairs. But you look at a team like Denver, I'm like, we have the coaching advantage. We just they have a very good defense. I I, I think the only problem with the Denver Broncos is their quarterback. They have a lot of good weapons. They have a good young team. Um, they just obviously have some pieces missing with especially with quarterback. But there's going to be many games where we win that we shouldn't because we have a, a, a coaching advantage. And that's really the only difference really with what you and I are saying is I'm just, I guess, taking, I'm assuming that those games that, that Brian Flores with that coaching advantage will win. But I think we, we both kind of agree on the same premise. We, it, it might not be 10 and six this year um, uh, just because I, I, again, like we said earlier on, just to kind of cap all of this up, there are still a lot of holes with this team and the, the, the people that think this team is a Super Bowl contender, you know, they're one piece away from being a Super Bowl contender. You're, you're mistaken. And I understand like people's enthusiasm. I'm really happy that dolphin fans are enthusiastic, but like this team isn't one piece away. We're in the right direction, but you, two things can be true. You can be in the right direction and you cannot be there yet. You know what I mean? Oh, I absolutely agree. And I, I don't, Thing that you know your take is it was completely out in left field um i mean what you're saying could absolutely happen and and i also just want to point out for listeners you know just because you know i think that i don't think the sky is falling i still think that they're doing a phenomenal job i just think that they're an extra you know what i mean an extra year away 
it right. is, is the only thing. So people don't kill me for saying, you know, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs next year. Right. And and that's why when you asked to, I, I was like, the main thing I want to see, it's less about record, but I think a lot of Dolphins fans, like, would you agree with this? Say we go eight and eight, but Tua has a much, much better season. I would view that as a positive. I'd be like, okay, well, I'd much rather maybe not be as high of a record in record, but no, okay, my quarterback's doing the right things. He's actually improving rather than, you know, what if we went 13 and three and two, it didn't look like he progressed in year two. Yeah. You go 13, three, but it's like, okay, well, I mean, the, the San Francisco 49ers went to the Super Bowl with Jimmy G. So like, uh, you know what I mean? Like my, my viewing on the season's different. I understand the whole record thing, but for me, it's just, can we look like a more complete team? Can our wide receivers, can we get some people in there with different skill sets? And really, can Tua, because it all revolves around coach and, and quarterback, can Tua take that next step? I'm not saying does he, you know, a lot of people want him to go out there in year two now and they're expecting him to take a leap and look like, you know, John Elway year two. Like, no, I'm just, can Tua go out there and fix on some of the stuff that he messed up with rookie year? Because obviously, a quarterback's progression takes three years, in my opinion. You should make the biggest jump year one to two, but after year three, you should know what you have in your quarterback. So I think there's going to be a lot that Tua doesn't do this next year that he will learn on in year three. But for me, that's really the biggest thing I want to see this next year. Can we have a complete team or a more complete team than last year? Can we play more complementary football? Because a lot of it last year was predicated on turnovers. Um, and can Tua take a step, uh, a large leap, um, a, a, or not a large leap, but can he take a nice leap from year one to two? I agree. So, okay, man. Well, it's been an hour and 23 minutes. I'm sure people are loving the information, but at the same time, I don't want to hold them for, you know, hours and hours. We definitely need to do this again. I uh, just wanted to say thank you to you for everything you do on Twitter, man, all the information, all the hours you put into it. I know that, you know, as a podcaster too, it's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that people don't see. They just see the final product, but just want to say, I really appreciate you and your takes. Uh, and thank you so much for coming on the podcast tonight. I appreciate it. I appreciate you, brother. Keep doing it. I like yep. the show. Take care, man.